Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patented half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Hey, y'all. It's Mary Payne Gilbert, and this is my podcast, Pain in the Pod. Today on the show, I'm going to chat with Andrew of the podcast, Personal Best. This podcast takes a new twist on the whole idea of self-improvement, and the result is hilarious and, I would say, heartwarming. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thanks, Mary Payne. Happy to be here. I came across your podcast by literally looking up Best podcast of 2018. <laughs> I wanted to see if there's any that I hadn't heard of because this is what I do. And yours popped right up on the Vulture list. And so I'm so glad I did because it thoroughly entertained me. So what it is, is it's a podcast about trying to be your personal best or overcoming obstacles, but you do it in a really funny way. And it's some really like funny things that people need to get over. So Tell my listeners exactly what your podcast is about and how you came up with this idea. Yeah, so um, my partner who I make it with, Rob Norman, um, we both make this podcast and it's about, I guess we we say it's like self-improvement for people who don't like self-improvement because I think there's this whole thing around self-improvement where you have to have this kind of noble thing you want to improve about yourself. Like, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds or I want to reconnect with a, with a loved one or I want to be a better public speaker. And I think there's so many things that you want to get better at, but you're kind of ashamed to go to like, you know, a coach, a life coach for or something. Or there's certain things where it's just like, I don't know where to go for this, right? Like if you wanted to learn how to figure skate, there's there's courses you could take, right? There's there's coaches who could help you out. But there's a lot of things in life like making small talk or, I don't know, um, you know, choosing something on the menu. There's these little things that you want to get better at but are actually kind of hard to do. And that's what our show is geared towards. We, we kind of take, take these things very seriously and, and we take the approach of what you might do for a more serious um, thing you're trying to improve about yourself, but we apply it to these kind of mundane things. And I, I find these are the things that kind of nag at you anyways, right? Right. It's sort of like that a little annoying thing that you think like, why can't I just <laughs> order off a menu or make a decision? Exactly, exactly. And it's always about something bigger, right? It's never just about the menu. It's never just about the little thing. It, it points to something else you want to change about yourself, right? Maybe something a little bit bigger. Well, that's what I didn't realize going into your podcast, that these little things that seem funny at first, what they come down to is, well, there's something bigger looming that you're really trying to fix. So how did you find the people that wanted to participate in this or that had some little quirk that they wanted to fix? That is one of the hardest things production-wise of making this show is finding people to be on the show. We talk to, I mean, we have a Google Doc that has easily over 200 people in it, and it's got their name, it's got their problem, it's got their phone number. We have an um, online form people can can fill out, and it's not from lack of candidates. It's just tough to find things that we can help with because we don't want to help with things that you can actually go to a professional with and you're better served with a professional. We get a lot of people who want to learn how to drive. Um, we get a lot of people who like want to do public speaking or things where it's like, 
yeah, you should go to a doctor for that. <laughs> like phobias <laughs> or things like that. There, there's certain things where it's just like, oh, there's already like really good professionals you should see about that. We're not the ones to, you know, we're not the ones to help you with this. And some are just family, like um, the one lady, Cheryl, who wanted to learn how to birth a cow. One of our favorite episodes, that was our producer Jess's um, aunt. That was a really great find. So. That was a really great find. <laughs> Did you um, find anybody that has something that's just so boring that it, on the opposite end, like, I can't teach you how to drive, but I also don't really <laughs> care about you chewing your nails, you know? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think there's certain things where you, you know, there's certain criteria that we use where let's say, for instance, our very first episode is someone who wants to wake up on time. It's this lady who um, has a hard time waking up with her alarm. She hits snooze like eight times. And on the face of that, you go like, yeah, that's like, everyone in the world you know what i mean but but i think uh, um robin uh, as a character was just so compelling she had tried so many different things and she's such like an interesting person and all the rest of her life is so together this was kind of like her last spot like it's not interesting someone who can't wake up on time who's also like recently fired and can't get their life together. It's just like, well, yeah, okay, of course, you know, that's a person who sleeps in. But Robin is someone who is very together, very organized, but this there's just this one thing. So I think it's like it's it's not necessarily just the issue, it's also just like the person and how passionate they are. Because I think there's some people who come to us and they're like, you know, let's say they come to us and say, I want to stop chewing my nails or whatever. And we're like, well, how is this affecting your life? Eh, it's just annoying. I just want to stop doing it. Uh, you know, we're looking for the people who are just have tried everything, who really uh, kind of at, are at their wits end, if that makes sense, or, or people who, who have such a drive to do this. We always ask, why do you want to do this? And I think Cheryl's a great example of it's a weird thing. Uh, she came to us. She wanted to birth a cow. It's like, uh, OK, but she wanted to do it because, you know, she she deep down inside wants to prove that she's a country person, right, that she's cut out for country life. She lived in her city in, in the city the whole time, her whole life. Life. So it's kind of the motivation, too, that we look for. Now, the woman that wanted to birth the cow, that <laughs> to me was it was kind of like maybe one of the smack dab in the middle episodes. It wasn't the first one mm -hmm. because it was very strange. And <laughs> it was so interesting that her, her niece was like, I don't know where this is coming from. She may mm -hmm. as well have told me she wanted to land on <laughs> Mars. It was now the Listen, I don't want to spoil anything because I want everyone to go listen, but you went to some pretty great extremes to help her live her dream of birthing a cow, <laughs> and one of them did include a cow costume. That's right. Yeah, and that's, all, that's all I'll say about that because you really should listen to it just to um, get it. But it was – I found that fascinating because I – you know, I'm a, a city person myself, mm -hmm. even though I'm from Mississippi, which I know you're in Canada, but in Mississippi, that's <laughs> sort of the deep south. So people think of it being like all like backwards, you know, rednecks like deliverance. Right. But I did grow up in a city. <laughs> I was thinking true detective, but maybe that's another state, oh, right? That was Louisiana, okay, well, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, same thing. So yeah, that's yeah, true detective. That's better than you thinking of like deliverance or something okay, scary. Okay. But so I, I find that so interesting that she's like, but I really want to get to my country roots hmm. and show that I can birth a cow. Now to me, getting to your country roots would be like spending the weekend out, like maybe shooting guns or something it right. would not occur to me to want to stick my arms inside a cow <laughs> you know it was it was it was real specific 
Yeah, I think part of the fun of this is that you get to go inside people's brains a little bit and find out these secret desires and little things people want to try that they never might otherwise say. I think that's that's a fun thing. And then we explore those and then you go, oh, yeah, I got this weird thing inside me that I want to do, too. And maybe it doesn't seem so weird by the end of it. Right. Well, I related most to the girl you um, spoke of a minute ago, Robin, the Mm -hmm. chronic oversleeper. Because I'm not necessarily a chronic oversleeper, but I do love to sleep. And <laughs> it, it has it, you know, I think your point is right that generally in life, I'm very, you know, responsible and, you know, to have lots of jobs and have kids and have everything together. But I really can hit my alarm six times or <laughs> left to my own devices, I'll wake up at noon and right. I'm, you know, a, a middle aged woman that should know better. <laughs> and I have a friend of mine who says, like, You've got you've slept away half the day. I'm like, not really, because if you go to bed at midnight and you get up, right. at, you, know. you say that like it's a bad thing. Yeah. yeah, and it's so I really related to that. And what was funny was you tried all these different things, and that you creepily snuck into her house in the morning to watch her hit her alarm. Um, now I thought about doing what you, what you guys said, which was putting my mom's as my alarm clock. Right. Okay. Is that? Is that the thing that worked for her eventually? Like her mom's voice, even though she was, you know, a, a, an adult, scared her to death to getting out of the bed? I mean, that is it. And I mean, that's a perfect microcosm for the show is that we try all this stuff and it's a stupid little thing that we do as like an aside that we don't even think about that that causes it. Yeah, as part of the activity, we recorded her mom saying encouraging words to try and help her out. And just offhandedly, she goes, can you send me an MP3 of that? And, you know, I sent it over and she, she set it as her alarm. Wasn't even something that we told her to do or anything like that. And so finally we catch up with her. You know, she's going to try and wake up on time for a week. And she goes, yeah, it was, the, it was, it was my mom terrifying me every morning, um, her voice. And actually we had someone who's, um, I think some sort of a psychologist or, or someone who's actually like a professional emailed us the other day. I was like, can I have that MP3? And so Robin asked mo- her mom her permission to send the MP3 to this lady. So I'm, I'm anxiously waiting to hear back uh, the results from our, from our second experiment with Robin's mom waking people up in the morning. So. Well, that's funny because it seems like Robin's mom would only work on Robin, but now <laughs> right. we're thinking Robin's mom works on other people. <laughs> Maybe just like a mom-like guilt or something like that or the, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> See, my mom used to drive me crazy in the mornings and I think my problem with getting up stems back to that because my mom would lie hmm. and I knew she was lying, you know, to say, <laughs> you have six minutes till your carpool arrives or you're not, I'm not going to allow you to take a shower before school if you don't get right. out of the bed. And I knew that it wasn't true, <laughs> you know? And so I think a lot of my uh, tactics trying to get my own daughter who suffers from the same problem, get out of bed is I, I try very hard not to exaggerate. I say... We literally are leaving in 11 minutes and you okay. haven't gotten out of the bed. And I say it to the minute, not like my mother would say, you have four minutes. That's interesting. Right? So you're not giving a buffer deadline. <laughs> no, I'm saying it like it is where my mom, it's so funny. My mom, when she comes to visit now and tries to wake up, my daughter does the same thing to my daughter. She used to do to me. <laughs> She'll say, well, that's it. You're not going to be allowed to go to school. I'm like, not going to be allowed to go to school. That's, right. What? <laughs> The house is on fire. You got to get out of bed. Right. Just like something so bizarre. You're like, mom, I'm always like, mom, that's not true. And she knows you're lying. Um, That's funny. So let's talk about the girl that was the messy eater. Sure. Julia. Okay. Yes. So how, how, how did you come up with this? Like, how did, how did you go from she's a messy eater to what she really struggled with was mindfulness. She wasn't sort of taking her time and being mindful. Now, how did Mm -hmm. you, 
I would have never jumped from messy eater to mindfulness. So how did you make that leap, which turned out to be the reason, right? Well, she, as part of our kind of technique of doing this, we kind of probe in many different ways. Like our first interview that we have, before we even work with someone, we've probably interviewed them for probably a good hour and a half or two hours. Uh, Like we've asked them tons of questions. We go, has anything worked in the past? What do you think this is about? Um, You know, what kind of stuff are you, you know, receptive to? We try and figure out, you know, get our head around this stuff. And sometimes we figure out how to approach this by interviewing experts. We go, okay, here's our problem. What's the best way to do this? But in this case of Julia, who's a messy eater, she actually said, you know, I wonder if this is a mindfulness thing. Um, And so the problem with her was that she had heard of mindfulness as this sort of buzzword, uh, maybe through like Instagram memes or like annoying people you mute on your Instagram stories or something like that. And she's like, but you know, like maybe this might actually be good for, for me. So we were kind of tasked with making mindfulness a little bit more approachable to, to her and ultimately trying to hopefully use mindfulness to help her eat less messy. Okay. I think it's, it's funny, like, you know, <laughs> All these all these cases, we would say, I can relate to on such an interesting level because, you know, my son is a very messy eater, but mm. he's a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> but, I, but I do find myself saying to him, like, okay, slow down. Mm-hmm, We're mm-hmm. not in a race. Mm-hmm. We're sitting at the dinner table. <laughs> you know, we don't need more food on the floor that goes in. Um, and so I think that is what it is. It's it is thinking about what you're doing. And at the end of the day, and again, I won't give a spoiler, but the way that you helped her was pretty unconventional. You did a few things. You did uh, an experiment with uh, too many condiments. <laughs> and you did an experiment where she had to go to a rib festival. Right. And try not to get messy. And I won't say how, but <laughs> virtually impossible for anybody, I think. Right, right. But she did a pretty good job. She she did really good. Credit to her for sure. She did a great job. And I think there's always this thing where, you know, you know, that classic thing of like, and I don't know if people actually do this, but it's like, you know, they make football players take ballet lessons or something like that, where it's just yes. like, oh, this kind of peripheral thing that you don't think is going to help is actually going to help you, you know? So I think we try and we try and take that on too. And it's one of those things too, where it's just like, yeah, there's no messy eating coaches. So where, where do we kind of steal techniques from other places in life, I guess, right? Yes. And this goes to, uh, I love the episode where you said that everybody at the CBC has so many trophies all over their desks <laughs> and you wanted a trophy. So you guys made your own trophy as a self-fulfilling prophecy, yes. but then it got lost, but then it got found. So where, where, where's the trophy now? The trophy's on Rob's desk. Actually, we're, we're really happy to find it. It was one of those things where I'm like, that thing's definitely gone. And we're, you know, I hunkered down for a serial esque uh, investigation that took us all of like 15 <laughs> minutes. We're just like, people are just like, did you talk to security? I'm like, no, we, we didn't. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, it's it's in this room back here. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks. And, um, yeah, we surprised Rob with it. But, yeah, it's sitting on his desk. It's a real conversation piece. It's it's a real nice, uh, nice trophy. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart, too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. 
Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com slash smart for details. Okay. Now, of all the people, because I've talked about how your episodes affected me, but of all the people in season one, which one did you particularly relate with the most? Oh, wow. I should be prepared for this question, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is is hard-hitting journalism here. (laughs) I think, you know, Brent, uh, he's the guy in our second episode who came to us wanting to, well, he came to us first wanting a balloon drop, wanting to be part of a balloon drop, like a party where balloons fall from the ceiling. Right. And we're like, dude, you're an adult. Why don't you just do your own balloon drop? And it kind of turned out to be that he actually wanted to be feel worthy of a balloon drop. So he needed to celebrate himself better. He was really bad at accepting compliments. Um, whenever something good happened, he thought he would kind of jinx it if he made a big deal about it. So I think to me, that's actually something that I still struggle with. I mean, I said in the episode, I'm kind of the person like I'm the person who doesn't put their their birthday on Facebook kind of thing, right? It's because I just, there's kind of this thing about not making a big deal. And it's sort of, to me, it's like, a little bit gauche to pat yourself on the back. Um, so it's about trying to find that balance of you don't want to be the person who, you know, gives a trophy for absolutely everything, but you also don't want to be the person who is really hard on yourself. So there's got to be something in there. And I think there's something healthy about recognizing your accomplishments. Um, and so that's what that episode was all about. And that one really um, resonated with me. And to be honest, I actually think of the advice uh, from that episode uh, quite a bit. So, so that's, I don't know, I really like that. I loved that one too. Now, was Brent the same one that you sent to the shoe store? Only That's right. To be, only to be yeah. disappointed when they didn't have the <laughs> shoes that he wanted. Yeah, I was like, Rob, we can't do this, man. This is mean. Like, this is that was definitely a Rob idea that uh, ended up working. Actually, I mean, it, it was nice in the end where there's, you know, he finds all these compliments from all his friends in the shoes, and he has to uh, kind of take these compliments. And I think it's it's mortifying for him, but uh, really worked for him, which was interesting. So you guys obviously are not uh, trained psychologists, (laughs) but it is really, I don't know how to really describe it. The way that you do this podcast is that you're so encouraging of people. And so like, okay, you're obviously have a comedic background, so we're going to make it funny, but we're also going to really try to help these people. And it sounds silly to send them to a shoe store Mm -hmm. and how this is going to tie back to him wanting a balloon drop, you know? But somehow, at the end of every episode, you're like, wow, like the guy who wanted to do a Mm backflip, and you're thinking, okay, who cares about doing a backflip? But in his mind, because he had had a injury, Mm -hmm. and he had always been very athletic, Mm -hmm. he thought he should be able to do a backflip, but he had an old injury that was keeping him down. And then at the end, you guys made like a kung fu movie with him as the star (laughs) doing the backflip. And I just thought that is the sweetest thing <laughs> and he'll have it forever, you know? Well, Rob keeps, Rob says, and, and, you know, you talk about a comedic background. Rob is the one who um, kind of comes from improv comedy and I am, you know, obviously a, a, f- a fan of that kind of stuff, but I come from more of the um, documentary world. So I think we both bring those things to the table a little bit and you can kind of see who brings what sometimes uh, in, in this kind of stuff. And I think a lot of it is just, and Rob's described this before as like, He's like, it's like it's someone's birthday. Every time they come, it's like it's their birthday and we're surprising them with nice stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, that is that is nice. And I think, you know, you talk about what what I need to improve on or what I've learned. It's it's this um, 
sometimes it's just nice to be nice. Like I think sometimes I don't make a point of celebrating stuff or being really supportive of people. But in this circumstance, it feels so good to help these people. And, and we're just we're just curious and interested in these people and we want them to win. And we're using our very modest public radio budget to try and pull that off in a couple of weeks. And, and that's kind of where all this stuff comes from. Yeah, so that that's my question. So for each of these cases that you take on, I keep saying cases like they're like they're <laughs> ill. I like it. it sounds it sounds interesting. It sounds <laughs> yeah, like private eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So each of these cases you take on, how long does it take to go through each one? I mean, it's it's you find the person, you say you talk yeah. to them for a while before you even get them on mic. Mm-hmm. Well, we have time set aside each season. Um, you know, like we're we're doing our second season right now, and we set aside two weeks for. Um, for interviewing people for casting where we bring in uh, you know dozens of people or whatever and we interview them for half hour or an hour um, so we, you know we talk to a bunch of people and we we get you know what their deal is are they good talkers um, you know what their situation is can we actually help is another big thing um, and then we kind of go through and and from there when we make an episode it's about three and a half weeks per episode because um, I think time is actually like a big factor in this because we want to try stuff, go back to the drawing board, try something else. Sometimes it takes a while to get the experts lined up. Sometimes it actually takes a long time to um, coordinate these these activities that we do, right? So, so time is sort of uh, very important for us in this. So you talked about season two. What exactly can we expect in season two and when can we expect season two? Season two, I don't know the date exactly, but mid-May is what we're looking at. Uh, right now we're finishing episode six and seven. So there'll be nine full episodes again. You know, we're trying a few experiments. One episode we did, um, this was very ill-advised. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we wanted to make it in 48 hours where we go out on the street, we find someone with something they want to improve about themselves, and then we start a timer. And in 48 hours, we have to finish all the recording for the episode. Um, and it went in ways I would have never imagined and was challenging in, in, in ways both mentally and physically. So it was fun in hindsight, and I think people will really enjoy it. Like we're trying to, we're trying to push ourselves a little bit that way. But we're still kind of doing the same thing. We're trying to push ourselves and not make season one all over again, but, but with different blanks filled in, if that makes sense. I think that's our challenge. Yes, and I'm imagining this 48 hours episode being um – stressful for you guys (laughs) and maybe for the listener i don't know it it was and there was a big you know again i don't want to give away too much but there's a big curveball in the middle of it where it's like oh my gosh i never never saw that coming that really changes um changes the episode even though maybe that's cruel to tease that but um yeah it's it's interesting for sure and i think you know so far we've like rented an ice cream truck we've thrown an olympic style game for teenagers um what else have we done we've um talked to people about existentialism we've talked to people about uh desert survival it's been a real um real whirlwind (laughs) we cover a lot of bases did somebody want to be a desert survivalist no um (laughs) (laughs) i'm just wondering if that's somebody's life goal no of course not uh the the desert survivalist came from uh this lady who she told us she came to us saying that she only has six things to talk about in a conversation she runs out of topics too quickly so we thought hey this has to do with resource management right and who is a person who's an expert on doing a lot with a little, and that's how we found out the the desert survivalist um, to try and glean some details to try and help our person who has poor conversation skills. 
well, if nothing else now, she can add this to her conversation skills. Hey, I was on this podcast. That's an excellent point, actually. And we should have uh, we should have spun that to her. So <laughs> I appreciate that. I always end my podcast with asking my guest, what podcast are you enjoying? Or can you tell us of some new one that we haven't heard of? Yeah, I should grab my phone for this. I mean, I'm the type of person that like, Obviously, I am very much into like Reply All is a favorite of mine. Um, you know, This American Life. That's those are easy ones, right? Um, there's there's actually a podcast, and I don't know if people can actually still find it, but I think you can actually purchase it maybe through iTunes. But there's a podcast on CBC that used to be on CBC called Wiretap. Have you ever heard of that? No, but I know everything CBC does is so so great. <laughs> it's very. That's what I should be saying, actually, um, <laughs> to, to, to secure a third season. Um, no, but um, Wiretap is Jonathan Goldstein, who is now on Heavyweight and used to work on This American Life. Uh, used to host a show called Wiretap, and there's there's multiple seasons. I want to say like over ten seasons, and that was one of the first shows that I heard on the radio where I'm like, oh, this is so weird and amazing. I mean, the premise behind it is basically it's a it's a show that kind of mixes fiction and reality. And mm-hmm. it's just him phoning up his friends and kind of some of his uh, diaries and things like that. Um, I remember listening to it one time. I was, I was waiting uh, to pick up my wife, and I had the radio on at like 11.30, and I just turned it on. I'm like, what? What is this? This is before I even really got into radio. And I'm like, this is just so bizarre and I just had to turn it up and keep listening and I think that's what you look for in a podcast or a radio show right something that makes you lean in and turn up the dial a little bit that's exactly right okay CBC wiretap I'm writing that down (laughs) I'll see if I can look that up that sounds right up my alley and then do you have any other ones that we might say, hmm, I can't believe this guy listens to that. Well, I mean, it's it's funny, too, because I am definitely, you know, from the camp of love, you know, production-rich documentary storytelling, right? So, again, This American Life, 99% Invisible, stuff like that. But I think sometimes actually, like, working at a show like that, when I'm on my way home, I just want to, like, zone out. So I listen to, like, baseball podcasts. That's right. something that I really like. Um, and, and you know, my beloved Toronto Blue Jays, uh, there's a podcast called At The Letters, and it's just, like, them talking about RBIs and, uh, you know, all the different stats about Blue Jays and who are the upcoming talent and who are they trading. And sometimes I just want to put that on. I don't want to, like... Because I, I, when I listen to podcasts, sometimes it's I think it's like people who are like movie buffs. I'm listening to be like, oh, how did they end that scene? Oh, they use music really cleverly there. It's tough for me to turn that off, right? So right. I think sometimes just like people talking is, is just nice. Um, but, but there's also a podcast uh, called Good One. It's by uh, Vulture, I believe. And what they do is they talk to different comedians different comedy writers and they kind of dissect uh, different jokes that they've written and or their stand-up bits. Um, so I find that really interesting. That's one that I've been uh, listening to lately. Oh, that does sound good. I've heard uh, a lot of people say 99% invisible and I've never listened to it, but now I think you're about the fourth person that said it, so maybe I should. <laughs> well, I've, I've reported some stories for them. I did one about uh, baseball mascots, which I, which was really fun for me. So I've, I've done some stuff for them. So I really, um, I really enjoy that. And it's a nice like you need in your podcast diet, you need different lengths of podcasts, right? Yes. Like the hour long ones are great. And sometimes I'll set those aside because I'm like, I got a, I got a trip coming up or something, right? Like that'll be perfect right. for this flight or this long drive or something. And then there's some that's like, oh, I'm just commuting to work. I'm on the subway. 15 minutes is perfect, right? So it's like you need that uh, variety in your podcast life. 
And I find sometimes that, um, I mean, I could just speak from like, you know, my husband and my son, just men sometimes, if they have some sports situation in the background, it's just like they're listening, but they're not listening or they can, (laughs) you know, and my husband does the same. He'll just have ESPN on in the background and I'll come through and say, can I put on HGTV or something? He'll say, oh, no, I'm watching this. I'm like, you're actually not. (laughs) Define watching. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're just listening to them talk about sports. And, you know, uh, for me, if I have a uh, background noise podcast, it's usually my favorite murder or something regarding murder. Gotcha, gotcha. So I'm not really sure. What that <laughs> something says comforting, about me. something wholesome, so, right? Yeah. <laughs> for me, it is comforting. <laughs> that's that's your baseball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is my baseball. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, on my uh, podcast network, there's a podcast called "There's No Crying in Baseball." Okay. And it's two women that talk about baseball. A league so, of your own, league of their own reference. That's great. That's right. You could check it out. Nice. Okay. Good plug. You're plugging CBC and your net. Wow. You're you're not missing a beat on uh, plugging listen, uh, various podcast networks. Listen, I'm a I'm a professional. <laughs> um, I, I will tell you this, and this is not this is I'm not joking. The CBC puts out some amazing podcasts. I interviewed um, Josh Block of, okay, yeah. of Uncover Escaping Nexium. Um, I actually met up with him in New York, and also. Um, someone knows something, David Ridgen yep. just blows my mind. Yep. Um, so you guys have some really good ones. Yeah, those are, those are big, those are big, uh, shows over there. It's funny because I think, um, when we first started doing ours, I was like, where does ours fit in? Like, we don't get, we don't get a fraction of the downloads someone knows something gets right. Um, but it's, uh, we were very fortunate in our first season to get some really good praise, uh, from people. Um, so we're, we're maybe like the, um, the teenagers that no one quite gets, but is kind of artsy. So they let it fly. I don't know. <laughs> like if this was a family, right. We're just like, yeah, I guess that their art show got good reviews, but they're dressed all in black and don't come down for breakfast. So, but whatever, <laughs> we'll let it, we'll let it slide, you know? So, <laughs> uh, when you told the story about everybody has all these shiny trophies on your yeah. desk, on their desk and you guys didn't have any I thought about <laughs> I thought about you guys walking by like David Ridgen's desk every day and there's so many trophies on his desk he can't even like see past his computer. oh my gosh yeah ex- <laughs> I mean that's the thing right yeah it's, it's funny I mean I think um in hindsight maybe we should have gotten a more tasteful trophy if we were actually trying to pass off that uh, we actually won some sort of prestigious award those usually are like you know made of glass and have uh, some sort of weird abstract design on it whereas ours uh, yeah looked like it maybe uh, was procured at a bowling alley but um, you know <laughs> it, it looks nice yeah so I love that story <laughs> listen I appreciate you talking to me so much I loved the podcast oh, and I would you. encourage people to go and listen and then be on the lookout for season two that's right that's why you hit subscribe so that it pops up. So tell everybody where they can find out more about um, you and Rob and your podcast and how to find it on social media and all that jazz. Yeah, cbc.ca slash personal best. And on Twitter, see, I'm terrible at this. One second. I'm going to actually go on Twitter right now to find our Twitter handle. And I hope you include all this in the edit to show how terrible I am at self-promotion. Our Twitter <laughs> handle is at personal best CBC. Be one of the 500 followers to see what we're up to. <laughs> Listen, I I am one of your 500 followers <laughs> on both on both of my accounts. I have a personal and a pain in the pot. I followed you, you on both. <laughs> I'm four. I'm number four ninety nine and number five hundred. Wow. Okay. Great. Great. Well, thank you. It, it was it was a pleasure talking to you, and it's so it's so um, it's so sweet that you've listened to all these. It's been it's been really nice. Well, I now I just keep thinking about what do I need to improve on, and I'm gonna um, see if I can get my mom to record my wake up call for me <laughs> exactly. without without exaggerating. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let, 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 please keep us posted on that. 
I will. Okay. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you.